distance. I can see it. Next aid station. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, where you know it or how it all works by now. Yet again, this is another Dragon's Back special. Uh, I haven't been around lately, been very busy with training. I'm now nine days away from the actual vent. About two weekends ago, I did a 42 miler, which was due to be uh, a recce of day five, which didn't happen for COVID reasons, not to do with me, but to do with. Uh, a training partner, and uh, so I took myself off and did a 42-miler up to the Devil's Punch Bowl, which is local to me. And then last Friday, I got the help of Hugh Williams, a very good friend, formerly of my running club of Hart Road Runners. Uh, Hugh has now moved to the Welsh borders, about three miles away from the Welsh border in Herefordshire, and he helped me do a recce of day four, which was a 44 miler, which I did in a day. And Hugh took me out to the starting point of day four. And he met me at Elam Valley Green, which is the support point for day four. Um, and then was due to pick me up at Towie Bridge Inn, which is the uh, finish point of day four. I got there about quarter to nine at night and unfortunately Hugh had a slight nav error. Um, I won't go to it any more than that to save his blushes, um, but those who know Hugh uh, will know what might have happened. Anyway, no harm done, all in one piece. I actually had a really good run and recce of that route, which you will hear on this podcast if you're interested. Um, and also I was invited to a free-to-be kids camp which is my um, the charity that I'm raising money for during this event, which I'd all welcome any uh, small pennies that you give towards this charity via my Virgin Just Giving page. So there'll be some of that, some interviews with the children at the camp, um, which is very enlightening and shows you some of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing for that charity. Anyway, on with the show. <laughs> Fragon 4 Farm, that's three Fs, probably going to be a few more Fs by the time I uh, get today done and I'm about to start what would be day four of the Dragon's Back race and uh, I'm back here, I can't remember, I was last here in April I think when I did day three from Delgethlow and I'm just walking along what would be the track to 
which would be the end of day three, into the Fraggen Farm, <laughs> which I can't say, um, to start the day out through the Elam Valley. And uh, it's going to be quite a long day. I'm on my own. I've just been dropped off by Hugh Williams, who's an old friend from the running club, Heart Road Runners, and Hugh has moved up to North Herefordshire um, on about three miles off the Welsh border. So it's been very handy for him to drop me off. It's about 20 past seven in the morning now. And it's windy, it's a bit overcast. Uh, the weather forecast is to be improving, but it's going to be quite windy higher up. The highest climb I've got today is somewhere about, uh, I think, 670 odd metres. So just about a couple of thousand feet. Um, but mainly today is going to be out in the remote Elan Valley. Um, and trekking on my own, which I don't mind doing. Checkpoint one now, and I'm coming down through a forest which is really steep and slippery. There's a large waterfall uh, next to the forest, which is a lovely sight. But it rained last night, so the basically thin layer of peat in this forest is really slippery, and you get a nice slide on uh, as it slips over the top of the harder ground, and then you hit tree roots, which are nice and shiny. And you're basically sliding all over the place. I haven't had a fall yet, but it's uh, a bit dodgy going out. Um, coming out of the morning camp, it's fairly simple, straight uphill climb on an obvious track. And then it gets out into the more tussocky stuff of heather and grass. Some quite deep stuff, not much of it runnable. Um, and then you come past a lake that uh, is a bit of a surprise, like a lot of these lakes, you climb up the top of the hill and then over a ridge and there it is. And uh, go along the edge of that and you come to the forest, which is where I am now, on the way out to checkpoint one. And it's really beautiful. Um, the weather is still over, a bit overcast. There's a big wind farm out here on the other side of the hill and uh, I couldn't see could only see the bases of the windmills. The rest are up in the clouds, but you can hear them. I nearly went over then. Then you can hear them uh, whirring away a bit, uh, as is all part of our future technology, hopefully, to save the planet. I'm now crossing a load of bilberry, um, which is the undergrowth of this forest. And I'm concentrating because Having got this far, I can see the track. I don't want to end up on my backside now. Um, so I'm coming down onto what will be a forestry track. And you should have just heard me hit it. Uh, just checking the GPX, which has been really good so far. 
and there's a lovely heather-clad mountain behind me and I'm now heading off down the track on a lovely runnable bit at last so time to make up a bit of time speak to you when I get to checkpoint one Top of the next ridge. Um, just a bit of a warning that the, if you're doing the, this route, um, on, when I got onto the runnable bit on the track, I got carried away as usual, um, running downhill on a nice track. But as usual, it doesn't keep going and it doubles back on itself really sharply. And you go through some woodland, you come to a wooden bridge over a stream. And then you follow a slate shale track uphill until it forks. And then you take the lower fork and again follow a slate shale track. Basically just aiming at the uh, windmills or the, uh, the, the wind turbines. Um, and I'm heading right up into those now by the look of it. Quite impressive, the clouds now lifted off them so I can see them completely. And I'm, how am I? I'm 1,721 feet at the moment where these things are standing. And I say the national grid is making full use of the wind at the moment because it's blowing quite strongly. But 25 mile an hour I'd say and they're doing their stuff so still heading out to checkpoint one I've been going about an hour and a quarter at the moment and so I'm traveling at only just over three miles in an hour so hopefully there's some faster stuff than this to bring the average up a bit later on I don't know if you can hear that noise, but I'm stood right under one of the turbines now, or as near as I can get to one. It's really windy. There must be about 50 turbines out here at least, all massive ones. It's quite a sight. But the actual terrain is really tussocky, just like it says on the map in the uh, Dragon's Back 2019 maps, a description of the route. I haven't seen a single person in since I left Hugh uh, and I've been going an hour and 40 now and I don't expect I'm going to see anybody. It's really massive tusks, tussocks, uh, really boggy as well. Like, you know, just footstep wet every time you put your foot down. And uh, I knew it was never going to be easy. <laughs> But it's yet another tough day in the Welsh mountains, by the look of things. Anyway, the weather's okay, the sun's out. I've actually got my sunglasses on. And uh, just pressing along this uh, fence line, there's 
It's fenced around the outside, only a very low fence, like a sheep fence, around the outside of the wind farm. And you're basically just following that uh, route around the fence line. So, still haven't got a checkpoint one yet. So it's obviously quite a trek out to the first checkpoint on this route. So I've come down off the top of the mountain now, up where the um, wind farm was, and it's really runnable track all the way down. Must be at least a couple of kilometres of it. And I've reached the bottom of the valley, and as you can hear, probably I'm by a stream, and there's a bridge over the stream, um, and heading out out of this valley, probably up the next big barren looking hill there's no forestry up on this one by the look of it there's a lot of um, cattle here at this point actually which I've been used to seeing sheep most of the time in Wales in fact I saw no sheep up to this point so far so obviously they changed their farming method a bit in this area I've reached the checkpoint one at the bridge over the stream in the middle of nowhere. I've no idea what the place is called. Uh, it's taken me two hours and 40 minutes to get here and it's about nine miles. It's still sunny, ever so windy. Um, and I've lost the little dead mouse off the top of my mic. So you might be a lot of wind over the mic at the moment. Anyway, pressing on to checkpoint two. Now in the middle of this incredible wide open grassy landscape and I, there is the Elam Valley and you probably won't hear much of this because it is so windy but I just wanted to get a sense of this incredible green waving sea that's about knee deep. There's hardly any reference points out here. I uh, managed to work my way across to a low stock fence and using that now as a handrail to follow the route as well as the GPX. I honestly don't know what I'd do without the GPX file because um, it is just a massive, massive miles of open, green, waving, beautiful sea. hit the road um, and there is oh it must be a good well let me see how far we've gone 15 there's a good four miles of um, just deep knee deep grass tussocks all the way across to get to the road after checkpoint three I've passed checkpoint three but it's so windy um, I haven't been able to do any reporting really uh, so I'm now on a road that will take me down towards the, um, all the dams down in the Eden Valley and the reservoirs. 
Um, and I think this is about, I don't know, about 4k of this, I'm not sure. But we'll see how it goes. I'm in the lee of the wind in a giant rock at the moment at the top of by the trig point for checkpoint four which is at Eskarai Penny Garag um, which I'm gonna say it means escarpment but I, I have no idea at all pure guess um, that road section that I mentioned was only 1.6 miles before you turn off left and come up to this checkpoint four at the summit trig. Um, so now it's a case of going along the top of the escarpment, pretty much flattish for a while, to checkpoint five at a path junction. And that's going near Nant Madog. Nant Madog. And then I hit the road again, which takes me down into Elam Village, where Hugh might be waiting for me with a bit of luck. Uh, so we'll see how we go. It's still really blowy up here, although you can't hear it at the moment. And a mix of sunshine and uh, cloud, but very nice, but completely exposed. There's no shelter at all, just about anywhere on this route. Uh, it's a long time since I left the forest and it doesn't look like there's any more forest now till after Elam Village. So I'll catch up when I get to checkpoint five probably. So I've reached Elam Village Green and this is where the support point is for day four. Um, it's taken me six hours and uh, seven minutes and it was 21.67 miles to here so it's um it's almost exactly halfway through the route which seems to be unusual because a lot of them previously have been two-thirds of the way in so i've still got probably it's going to be a 13 hour day by the look of it uh, it's now uh, around just after 1.30 in the afternoon. So I won't hang around here long and get this done so that I'm not on a head torch. I was expecting uh, Hugh, but he thought I'd be here about two. So I'm a little bit ahead of his schedule, but I don't really want to wait for half an hour um, for Hugh to arrive. So I might press on. Anyway... Uh, it's quite tough. What, what's great is that the um, once you reach the last checkpoint, not the last checkpoint, the che I think it's checkpoint four at uh, the top of the trig point, it is more or less runnable all the way back down to Elam Village, uh, which is brilliant um, and makes up for the, the trudge through the really long, tufty stuff on the way out. So it's a game of two halves, the first half of day four.
I've been invited down to Free to Be Kids Camp uh, at Wilderness Wood near Oakfield in East Sussex by Rachel, and who's down here with 14 children from inner London, various areas all over London. In fact, they go round and pick up the children individually at their homes, which can take quite a bit of time just picking them all up and getting out of London. I think it was about three or four hours just doing that without the journey out here, which is quite amazing they go around and get them. Um, and this is a wonderful site. They've set up camp here, um, and there's a central area where at the present time they are preparing pizzas, making pizza, and uh, there's a bit of a production line going on with the toppings at the moment. Um, but this is a wonderful area where they can go out. Um, they've been canoeing, uh, swimming, uh, generally doing things, woodland venture type things uh, in this area. Um, and they they camp about four of the, in a tent with a couple of volunteers nearby. Um, and it's a really good setup. The kids have all been here about three days and seem very happy with it all. Um, and... Uh, they're probably all going to be quite disappointed to have to go home tomorrow. So tonight's their final night and they're going to have a, a night around the campfire chatting as well. So I'm hoping to get some insight into their views on uh, the camps that Free To Be Kids uh, run for them. So hopefully we'll pick up on some conversation in a moment um, and you can hear what the benefits are that they they get out of these weekends away out of inner city. Hello. Testing, testing, one, two. Okay, for the marathon to make money for free to be so we can send more, so more of you guys can come on more holidays, okay? But he needs to let people know about what it's all about. So what's it all about? Can you, can you say what's free to be all about? Free to be is about exploring and making friends. Yeah, what's been what's been good about it? Everything. Everything's been good about it. Can you tell me some things? Swimming. Um, the river. What about the campsite? What can you tell me about the campsite? Oh, the campsite's good. Lee, what's been your favourite thing? Um, mostly everything. Oh yeah. Um, how you, so here's a big question. How have you found living with a group of people you didn't know? Like, Fun. Yeah? Fun. Have you made new friends? Yeah. Yeah, can you tell me some of the new friends you've made? Um, I don't know their names, but Lord. Why do you think this might be good for other kids to do? Uh, like it will make their day rather weak and also even in the title it says free to be and you enjoy it so much and you get to do lots of like challenges and everything's fun about it. same if it was in London. Imagine if we did this in a hotel in London, do you think it would be the same as doing it out camping? 
I think camping's more fun because it's more out in the wild than just like a fancy hotel. Okay. And what's good about the wild? <laughs> Everything. No, there's not even words to explain. Remember we did that nature walk one morning. How did you, how did you find the nature walk? Um, quite fun. Yeah? Yeah. Did you see anything? Be what did you see? Um, you saw a lot of mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Um, a few giant slugs. That was really big. Um, a few like footprints of like animals and some like really cool plants. because you could see more of the world and if you're probably in a hotel all you would do is watch TV and not go out nowhere. What's better about being outside and not watching TV? Um, you could find new things and find some things what you don't really know. What's been the best bit of this week guys? Um, Why was that so good? Just a lot of stuff to do. Just a lot of stuff to do. And how does that compare to like just being sitting at home in your summer holidays? Something to do. I don't know. Something fun to do, you know? The best part is um, exploring and having fun. You couldn't sleep out in the tents and I guess you couldn't really do as, much, as many things as when you're out and about. Have you been sleeping in a tent before? Um, only once, yes. There's nature all about and plus there's more green out in the countryside, kind of. So it's better than just sitting in London for the week? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's better going outside than staying in your house all day. How do you guys feel after three days? Do you feel tired or full of beans? Um, I feel like three days is not enough. Got your friends, you're trying to convince them that leaving London's a good thing, come out to free to be. And they said, Oh, but I don't like camping. What would you say? Uh, I would say it's basically like indoors, but like in a tent and more nature around you. But you're a little bit cold, but surely a campfire will do you. One last question. Why, if there was other guys in your school, right, other kids living in London who don't get out, go out into the countryside, would you tell them to come and do free to be? Definitely. And how would you try and convince them? If you were going to try and convince them, what would you say to them? I'd probably tell them about the giant swing. Because most of my friends from school 
like they like things that go really high and that swing just kind of just le yeets you. And what have they said? Oh, I'm a bit scared about camping though. I've not really been outside before. What would you say then? I'd say that it was like the swing. It's scary on your first like night, but then on your like once you wake up, it's like normal. didn't say actually, Hugh caught up with me about five minutes later in Elam Village. So I got a coffee and some of his wife Wendy's lovely apple cake, which was really a bonus. And uh, that's the first caffeine I've had on this uh, day. Job to carry any caffeine really unless you have those caffeine gels, which a bit sickly after a while. Not going to get much uh, coffee. <laughs> Not going to get coffee on the support points in the actual race, I don't suppose. Uh, but I do feel like I've had a bit of a boost from it, which is good. And that was really good of Hugh to meet me there. And he's going to meet me at the finish, which is probably going to be about half past eight tonight. Um, and we're actually going to eat out. He's got a really nice little van, a sort of day van with a stove and a bed in it. So we'll probably eat before going home because there's going to be more than an hour's drive back, I suppose. And maybe find a pub, which would be great, before getting back to Hugh's house. So I'm looking forward to that. So I have now been going for just over an hour, I think, since Elan Village, uh, yeah, on the hour, Elan Village, uh, I've done 7 hours 25 minutes and I've done 26.2 miles, which is a marathon, not that that matters to ultra runners, but just to give you an idea, 7 hour 25 marathon in the mountains, so it's a bit different to road running, a bit different to road marathoning. So I am now heading up um, towards Dragon Far, which is the highest point on day four. I think it's 648 metres or something, which must be about 2,000 feet. So this is the, I think this is the last big climb. I think you go up on this day anyway, go up to Dragon Far and then presumably descend back down the other side to Towie Bridge where the camp is um, so and that is checkpoint 8 so I came through checkpoint 7 because it was only just above the um, 
above the village, Elam village. Uh, so heading up to checkpoint eight, which is right at the top, at the trig point or cairn or whatever is up there, at the top of Dragon Four. Well, I haven't recorded anything for a little while because the weather really set in on the climb up to uh, Dragon Four and um, it was howling and raining like mad so I couldn't really use the mic either so uh, I've now come down off Dragon 4 it took me it was 30 miles it's just under 30 miles up to there and I think it took me about uh, 8 hours 40 um, I've now dropped down off there. There's more really, t there's a runnable stretch and then there's really tussocky stuff. And then you hit the forest to come down. Watch it when you come to the forest tracks. Um, you don't want the big um, haulage tracks. The footpath runs straight down through the middle. It's quite steep, but it comes straight down. And I've stopped on the edge of the forest at the moment just to get out of all the wet weather gear, although it's still raining at the moment, so I can record something and get some food on board um, and I'm nearly down to um, the uh, sorry did I say checkpoint four yeah that was a bit stupid I meant checkpoint eight uh, which is dragon four um, and that that was at uh, two two thousand one hundred feet up that so that was the highest climb on day four um, yeah, and then came down and I'm now right on the edge of the forest. Got to go through the forest, uh, which looks like completely unmarked. Uh, and it looks like a climb through it as well. So that's interesting uh, to meet a uh, road junction. And then take the road down to uh, Abergeswin and checkpoint 10, which is at a bridge. And I'm now nine, exactly nine and a half hours in and have done 32 miles. So that's pretty much it at the moment. I'll get back to you if there's anything else of interest to report. Soaking wet. I mean, the, all the way across there, it's just a bog. Don't even think that you're going to get dry feet anywhere on, on this day. That's for certain. Well, I've just passed the Abergeswin Bridge, which is checkpoint 10. And once you come out of the forest, it's a lovely road run down the beautiful valley, uh, even though it was pouring with rain. Uh, waterfalls and a, bit, a river in the bottom, quite fast flowing. And just really nice scenery. Reminded me of a little bit like a Scottish Glen, like a mini one. Really nice. So I'm still on the tarmac out of Abergeswin and there's a turning left somewhere here that goes back onto trail again which I'll be looking for and I'm how far am I I've done 35.7 miles so I've got about uh, eight and a bit to do maybe nine with a few of my 
uh, nav errors and it is I've now been going for nearly ten and a half hours 10.28 so that bridge cut off in 2019 the cut off time was eight o'clock in the evening um, and everything's reduced by an hour probably so it, I would say seven o'clock in the evening is going to be the most uh, generous time which will give you three hours to get back into camp from there um, and it's basically what did I say eight miles or something eight and nine miles so doable and yeah not going too bad I had a lot of uh, trouble is with all this wiring <laughs> I've had to wire up to get the mic on and I'm also got my watch wired into power bank a little one because uh, the watch will only go about 10 11 hours max so I'm having to do that I did toss up with like should I buy a one of these bigger ones that does about 26 hours battery life but ah just more expense and they're a load of money the new Sun 2 which I like um, and they're thinner and all sorts of stuff but this isn't a watch review <laughs> I'm just rambling because I you know I haven't seen anybody at all on any anywhere off-road seen nobody no walkers nothing no nobody climbing nobody doing anything at all just me so that ain't bad they said keep yourself company or keep each other company they said that's a bit difficult when you're on your own so i hate that bloke i'm running with actually he's doing my head in at times but oh i'll get to camp with him and bin him off next time so See you at checkpoint 11. Well, I got to the Towie Bridge in the end um, and it took me uh, about 12 hours, 45 minutes to do the whole day of day four. Um, and you're listening to me now from where I make my recordings in my spare bedroom. Um, because uh, things got a little confused at the end of the uh, route, as I intimated at the start. Um, you actually get to Towie Bridge where the campsite is on one side of the river, and on the other side of the river over the bridge is the Towie Bridge Inn, uh, which is run by a lovely couple who helped me out in the evening because um, for one reason or another, Hugh and I didn't reconnect. Um, and I was getting a little bit worried that uh, I'd be out there because there is literally nothing much there at all. But they helped me out to find a local couple who have helped on the Dragon's Back race for the previous four editions, which was very fortunate. And they had a camper van on their drive, um, which they gave me a bed for the night until I could meet Hugh at about 8.30 the following morning um, at Towie Bridge. Uh, but all that worked out well in the end. The actual run back down into um, Towie Bridge is really 
just all tarmac all the way down most of the way. You do go off a side um, track slightly on the left-hand side of the road for a while, which is quite a nice run, and onto some grass as well, and then back onto the road again. And it's basically uh, runnable downhill tarmac for a long way back to the campsite at the end of day four. So that's my four recce's done now. I'm only doing four of them. As I said at the start, I'm only nine days away now. Uh, I've covered the first four days, which are key for me, because if I can get through four days, I'm hoping I can get it finished. Everybody's saying that day five is a real brute. Uh, that's the one that takes in the uh, Brecon Beacons Penny Fan Horseshoe. Um, and it's quite a long day. It's another 44 miler, I think, with about um, 3,200 of elevation metres, that is, 3,200 metres of elevation. So it will be a tough day, day five. And then I think I could just crawl downhill into Cardiff on day six. If I get to the end of day five, you will get to day six, no matter what, Kevin. Uh, and that's the aim. So... I might come back before the race actually starts with a brief um, podcast on the prep leading up to it. At the moment, I'm um, my main concern and worry is getting all my kit into a 15 kilo uh, overnight bag or camp bag um, and a two key two and a half kilo drop bag, uh, which we can use each day. Uh, my vest is packed and ready and I was quite surprised that uh, I could get everything that you need and all the compulsory gear and waterproofs um, and an extra warm layer that's now compulsory in, but I have. Uh, but I'll give you more info about that and the equipment I'm using in more detail for those that be interested in multi-day race preparation and logistics, um, which is a very big part of it. Um, and a massive part of this race is going to be camp administration. But anyway, thanks for listening to all these Dragonback specials. Obviously, there's going to be more to come, and I am going to be recording on the six days. So someday after the Dragon's Back race, that's someday, not Sunday, <laughs> um, I will uh, get a recording together of the whole event, which I am just really, really looking forward to, and I'm sure all the dragons in training out there uh just can't wait for it all to happen now when you get into that taper period you just want to get on with it you start champing at the bit um and that's a good thing because the energy levels start to return you're on your recovery um and you want to feel like you want to get out there uh into the mountains and get started in that race so looking forward to getting going and getting to conway castle and seeing everybody there to help with your ultra running progress get regular up-to-date news free advice and motivation for ultra running subscribe to the aid station podcast through apple podcasts spotify google podcasts or any of your other favorite podcast libraries you can also get aid station via www.aidstation.co.uk also, please see the show notes below for the episode to find the links to all the mentioned recommendation and events. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Aid Station, and if you did, please leave a review and subscribe.
to the next bloody aid station. Mm-hmm.